I want us to be reminded today that the anchor of our hope, our anchor of our hope is that God is real, that God is love, and that God is all-powerful. And in my estimation, Easter is the greatest testimony to the work of God and the power of God that's available to every person here today. Whatever I say, whatever has been, whatever has been <clears throat> musically expressed even, I want you to know that it comes not just from me, but I believe it comes from the heart of God. He speaks into our hearts. He speaks into our lives. There is a, there is a message here, and it's real. And I believe it's real for every person here. I don't believe there's a soul in this place today. And we had a great first service at 8 o'clock. Wonderful crowd at that service. I don't believe there is a person that has walked through the doors of, these churches, of this church today that is not here by some type of divine appointment. I really believe that. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in just happenstance. And whether you uh, came here because you just love faith and, and you come here and you, you're just a regular part of this thing or whether you're a guest here today or whether somebody even drug you here to church because they have food this morning and you should come and eat. I don't care how you got here. I'm just glad you are here because I know this. I think God has got something very special for you. And I honestly believe this with all of my heart that when you walk out of this, you're going to say to yourself, I'm glad I was in church this morning. Something happened, something that was really good. And I, I, just, I just think God's going to do something for me too. So, Mark chapter 16, just one verse, very simple. But when he said to them, do not be alarmed, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. This is Easter Sunday. It's pretty obvious on that. A lot of people like to call it Resurrection Sunday. I kind of like that too. I'm all for that one. But I'm going to share with you a new idea this morning that I'm going to call it, just for this Sunday only, I'm going to call it the Comeback Sunday. It's a comeback. And some of the greatest comebacks... That, uh, that I'm aware of, and there's probably many more. I know there are many more. Come in the field of sports. A few years ago, Kentucky was, was trailing by 31 points with 15 minutes left in the NCAA championship game. Most of the people are starting to write them off. But they won that game 99-95. to And it stands today as the greatest comeback at that level of tournament play in all of history. The Boston Red Sox baseball team was playing in the American League Championship Series and they were down three games, which meant if they lost one more, they're out. They don't get to go to the World Series. Most of the people were writing them off. And I think Joan and I might have been in New England about that time. And all of the New Englanders, it's an interesting time for baseball in New England. Because it depends on where you are. You either hate the Yankees or you love the Red Sox or vice versa. And the poor Red Sox were down three, to one, three games. We don't think they can come back, but they did. They won four straight. And walked into the World Series and I'm pretty sure they won that one. This year, 
in this year's Super Bowl. New England was down 25 points at halftime. And I'm pretty sure I heard some people saying, uh-uh, this isn't going to happen this time. And they won the game in overtime, but they won. Great comebacks. Tremendous comebacks. I look at the Bible and I see, I see comebacks in the Bible. I see people like Moses. Wow, there's a guy that spent 40 years in the wilderness, and at 80 years old, God just renewed his contract with Moses and said, it's time to come back. There's a great work to do. Then there's David. David made a mess out of his life in just a few moments, and yet he came back. There was Job. We learn about him. Then there was Peter. This is fresh in our minds because Peter walked out when Jesus probably needed him the most, and yet there was a great comeback. You know, I believe there are people maybe here today, and I don't know all of you, and there are a number of new people here this morning, but perhaps there is somebody today that you really need a comeback. And I got good, I've got good news for you. Today's your day. This is the Comeback Sunday. This is where it turns around. This is where it moves from this direction to this direction because God begins to do something and work something in your life. This is Comeback Sunday. Abraham Lincoln failed at business. Here's a guy that had a nervous breakdown and lost eight elections, but won the presidency at such a critical time in our nation. I believe the greatest comeback of all is what you would expect me to say. It occurred 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on a cross and was declared dead. He was laid in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he rose from the dead and declared victory over that grave and over the enemy of our souls, the devil. I find it so interesting that 12 Twelve disciples, twelve really nondescript kind of people. Many of them peasants, some fishermen, there was a tax collector in the bunch, and others. How in the world did these twelve people, followers of Jesus, how did these people multiply in such a way that now one out of every three people on the face of this planet identifies in some way with Christianity. I can tell you why. It was the resurrection. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It changed our calendars from B.C. to A.D. And it was because of the resurrection of Jesus. And no other event has impacted the world Nothing like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that Jesus never wrote a book, and as far as we know, never wrote anything down. And yet more books have been written about Jesus Christ than on any subject in the entire world. Jesus Christ never composed a song, and yet more songs are composed, uh, focusing and centering on Jesus Christ. He never drew a picture, he never did any sculpting, and yet more artwork in this world is assigned to Jesus Christ, who is alive.
Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles from his birthplace. And yet, followers of Jesus, hear me friends, can be found on every nook and cranny of this planet. They're there. And they celebrate this morning too. Think of it today. We celebrate in, the, in this beautiful sanctuary together. We lift our voices with great freedom. We read the Bible without any kind of fear. We, we speak a message without any measure of intimidation. And yet there are people today that are just as exciting as you, just as excited about the resurrection today as I am and you are. And yet they're underground. They're in little house churches. They're hidden in corners. They cannot gather like we gather, but they're gathering. And they're celebrating. And they're rejoicing because he's alive. He's alive. The reason Christianity is spread is very, very simple. Because it's good news. I'm talking really good news. As a matter of fact, it's really great news. That's why it spreads. That's why it attracts people. Because it is good news. I love Mark chapter 16 and verse 6. <clears throat> with those simple words, he is not here, he is risen. Very wonderful statement of fact type of, type of sentences that leaves no, uh, no shadow of doubt involved in it at all. It's a simple statement. When the women got there, the tomb was empty. When Peter and John got there, the tomb was empty. When the Jews got there, to their dismay, the tomb was empty. Listen to me. This is one of the facts of the Christian faith that critics, that critics of the Christian faith cannot break because he's not there. It's an empty tomb. The Romans didn't care if Jesus was there one way or another. They didn't care at all. The Jews cared. They wanted him there. And the disciples had no reason at all to take his body. I think it's interesting to realize that the stone was rolled away, not so much so that it was not so that Jesus could get out, it was so we could get in and see the evidence. He is not here, he is risen. Jesus was in the tomb on Friday night, and 36 hours later on Sunday morning, he was out of it. We hear a great deal these in recent days about how normal and natural death is. And it almost some people seem like they almost celebrate it. But I think we need some clear thinking on this topic. We celebrate Easter because Jesus came back from the dead. Death could not hold him. That alone should make us to know that death is not somehow something that is natural or good. The people that are thinking about euthanasia have it all wrong. They've got it totally wrong. There's no truth that there is death with dignity. There's simply no truth. None whatsoever. Death is not a beautiful thing. Life is. And resurrection is. Paul said the last, <clears throat> the last enemy to be destroyed is, going to be, is death. And we should not fall for a secular idea that somehow death is good. Because it's not. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, death came into the world because of sin, and without sin there would be no death. <coughs> 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, or crying. There will be no more pain, and the former things have passed away. You've heard me say it. No more clinics, no more hospitals, no more chemo, no more heart attacks. None of this. It's over. Because death loses, life wins. And that's because of Jesus. The Jews revered three men above all others, and that would be Abraham, Moses, and David. Abraham was buried at Hebron, just south of Jerusalem. Nobody knows for sure where Moses is buried because God said, I will bury him. And so we simply don't know on that one. But everybody knows where David is buried. And his tomb would be well known in Jerusalem. David died 1,000 years before Jesus and his body. David is still in the tomb. Jesus borrowed Joseph's tomb for about 36 hours or so. And he left it behind forever because simply he didn't need to use it too long. And he was gone. We hear a great deal these days about which religion is the right religion. Let me tell you something. How do you know which religion is the truth? And I think there's a very simple answer to that question. Find the religion that upholds this Bible, that believes that every word in this Bible is inspired of God. Every word, every sentence, every chapter, every verse. This is God's word. This is God's message to us. We don't adjust it, we don't change it, we don't modify it. Just because it's 2017, we're going to make some changes. It stands forever. It stands forever. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of God stands forever. Find the religion whose follower, whose founder, rose from the dead. That's the one you should follow. This king, whose picture you'll see on the screen in a moment, this king left the building about 40 years ago in August, and he's not coming back. This king left the earth 2,000 years ago, And he is coming back. And we're looking for him. And we're looking with joy. We're looking with great victory. Great anticipation. I can't wait. I have outlined personally some days in which I think it would be very nice for the Lord to return. (laughs) I, I, I just want you to know this is one of them. So, I mean, (laughs) I've been praying about this. Who is Jesus? To the Jews, he was an imposter. To the Muslims, he was a prophet. To the atheists, he never existed. Who is Jesus? Gandhi admired him. Hitler hated him. The Jehovah Witnesses say he's an archangel. Pilate didn't know what to do with him. 
But the Bible says he is God in human form, son of the living God, and he is the door to everlasting life. That's who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? And what are you going to do about him? I honestly don't think you can come to a cross. I don't honestly think you can come to an Easter Sunday morning service where we rejoice that he is alive, he is risen, he is coming back and saying all of these things. Not just saying them to say them, but saying them because this book says that's exactly what he's going to do. Everything that happened in Jesus' life, every detail, every, every detail is recorded for us in this book. The majority of them were prophesied hundreds, if not a thousand or two thousand years before Jesus showed up on the scene, and every one of them is true. So what do you do with Jesus? What are you going to do with him? One thing for sure, and I tell you what, you, I'm going to be teaching on a Bible prophecy theme about living in the end times starting next Sunday, Sunday uh, during our Sunday school. And I'll tell you what, I've read this book from Genesis through the book of Revelation, and here's the big news. Jesus wins. He wins. The comeback is complete. The comeback is sure. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18 says, I am the one who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys to Hades and death. This is the message of Easter. It's the reason for our hope. This is what God puts inside of our hearts and causes our heart to quicken and our heart to throb because he is hope, genuine hope. One day, sooner or later, we're going to see him because we're probably all going to die unless, unless he answers my prayer and comes today. And then we'll take the shortcut. In that day we lose everything that we have on earth, but we will keep everything that matters the most. And that's our faith in Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. This is a great truth and I wanted to fill your heart on this Easter morning. It's the voice of Jesus who calls us on this Easter morning and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever lives and believes on me will never die. And he follows that up with another important question. Do you believe this? You see, folks, faith, faith is just, faith is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Faith is a wonderful thing. I want you to have faith. But faith without a response and without action isn't anything at all. You can read about that in your Bible. Faith without a response is nothing. It's not even faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The faith is the substance part. We get that and pretty good. But the evidence part is that I respond to what God is calling me to do. I respond to that. And that's what God is asking people in this church to do this morning, to respond to it. Respond. Acknowledge. Accept. 
Listen to me, life is like a feature-length film. I want to tell you something. I think somebody here needs to hear this. Don't freeze frame one frame. There's people that freeze frame this in their life. They get discouraged, they get down, they, get, they think life just beat them out of something or whatever's going on, I don't know. And they freeze frame their life right there. They stop right there. But life is feature length. It continues on. And God has a substance and a place for each person. Not just, not just embedded right here. But he gives us a future. He gives us a hope. We do not use the word despair when we're talking about the kingdom of God because God is hope. God is hope. Donnelly, would you come back? Folks, today I believe there's a light that shines from an empty tomb that tells us to fear not. Today, today I'm not going to fear. I know what's going on in the world. I keep track of what's going on in the world. I think I need to. It's important. We live in a world that is shaky and it gets shakier every day. Matter of fact, what's going on in the Korean Peninsula is just downright scary. It makes me nervous. But folks, I'm a person of hope. I'm a person of hope. And no matter what comes to this world, what happens in this world, I know that there is a world awaiting me today. I know that for certain. I know that for certain. And I want you to know him too. I can't think of a better time or a better place to come to Christ and trust him with all of your heart because I can tell you this, I don't believe you'll ever be disappointed. I don't, I honestly don't believe that. I don't believe you can be disappointed if you will live for him. If you'll honestly live for him. I'm not saying there won't be ups and downs. I won't say there won't be a day of discouragement. But there's always a day of greatness. There's always a day of blessing. Come to Christ. Come this morning. Meet him in church today. And let him transform, begin that transformation in your life. You trust him, and no matter whether you live or die, you'll know for certain that heaven is your home, and it's waiting for you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again, and I'll receive you. Christ the Lord is risen today. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in this... Uh, closing moment of our church service today, I pray that in the name of Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus, that all of the things that have been spoken, the words of songs that have been sung, has somehow penetrated every one of our lives, every person in here. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, this will be a day of comeback. Maybe it's going to be a day of comeback for people who love who know Christ, and yet they've grown cold. They've kind of just sort of been indifferent. This is a comeback day. This is a day to light the fire again and to be strong. 
Father, I believe there are people here today that this is a great comeback because it's a day in which they're going to be praying about Christ coming into their life. Jesus will come in. Jesus will live in you if you'll just simply let him. I'm going to be praying in just a second here, just kind of a prayer in this prayer. And I want to ask people in this room, in this room, that if something is tugging at your heart today, there's a witness of God's spirit in your life that says, I need to turn my life over to Christ. I recognize my need. I need hope. I need forgiveness. And I want Christ to enter my life, to guide me. Would you pray right along with me, dear Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin, and I repent of it. I want help turning it around. And I believe with all of my heart on Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart and live in me. Make me new. Change my life. Father, I believe uh, once again that he died for me and he rose from the dead and that's my faith. That's where I start my journey today. And I do so with confidence because your word says if we ask him into our hearts, we shall be saved. I want to be saved. Forgive my sin. Father, I thank you today that you've used this service to speak into people's hearts. I'd like to ask while our heads are still bowed in church, I'd just simply like to ask if you've prayed with me this morning, all I'm going to ask you to do is simply raise your hand right now and put it back down. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but just that. Just do it right now. Do it right now. Thank you. Thanks, folks. Thank you. Father, we thank you for victories that are won. We thank you for the power of your word, which you declared it will not return void. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.